I'm not sure if I mentioned it before, but when my friend Clay Mason Bannerman and I want to impress our new lady friends, Tiffer and Mickey, we don't even have to take them to a restaurant. That's because we have an entire freezer stocked full of ButcherBox, and that includes high-quality meat and seafood that we can trust. It's so convenient. It's delivered right to our doorstep, and there's always free shipping. I mean, where else can you get free protein for a whole year? Tiffer and Mickey love it, and so will you. At least one of them is always around asking when the new ButcherBox is arriving. Sign up at ButcherBox.com mega and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free-for-a-year offer plus an additional 20 bucks off. Choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at ButcherBox.com mega and use code MEGA to choose your free-for-a-year offer plus 20 bucks off your first order. Thanks, ButcherBox. <laughs> Hey, listener, it's Zach Harper, Amin Al-Hassan, and Anthony Mays of Cinephobe. You may be asking yourself, what is Cinephobe? Amin, would you like to fill in the people? Cinephobe is the podcast where Zach and I watch movies that are poorly rated on Rotten Tomatoes and try to ascertain... Oh, we're trying to well. ascertain? Yes. Okay. Ascertain. Whether or not they're accurately poorly rated, or maybe they didn't get a fair shake. Cinephobe, produced by this guy, Anthony Mays. Hey, that's me. I produced this show. I also watched the movies, even though that wasn't included in the description, and I also ascertained. Ooh, this month is wow oh maze why do you say that supercharge it (laughs) so that this promo can remain evergreen i feel like explaining a little bit more in 60 seconds i don't know maybe i don't bring attention to assuring people like look if you listen you're gonna get it just give it give it time that's a good promo just listen to it give it time you'll figure it out is this the promo right now isn't it okay i think we got it wherever you get podcasts (laughs) Mega is an improvised satire from the staff of a fictional megachurch. We are here. The Lord, we are here. And we're ready, ready to Hiya, I'm Haley Labonte, and this is Mega, coming to you from Twin Hills Community Church, where we are giving our mega church a tiny family feel by introducing you to members of our church staff and community so you can be blessed by them. What a treat and a treasure. Oh, each week I'm joined by my co-host. He's the youth pastor for our high school ministry called Climax. Please welcome Gray Haas, everybody. Hey, Hallie. You okay? To be honest, Hallie, I'm just really going through it with my girlfriend, Pinka, right now. Pinka? Minga? Right, that's what I said. Oh. Yeah, you know, Hallie, uh, my friend Clay Mason Bannerman. Oh, who's uh, that? I'm just kidding. You've mentioned him before. Oh, okay. Right, good. Uh, you know, he's dating this new lady, uh, Juliana Zobrist. Oh, yeah, who used to be married to the Cubs pitcher. That's right, yeah. Well, she was in cool. town this weekend, which was Ooh. awesome. She had a, a, a big fundraiser for uh, Mothers Against Drunk Driving awesome. out at the Edendale Golf Course, cool. uh, which was really cool, really swanky event. It's kind of ironic, too, because, you know, there's a lot of people drunk driving golf balls out there. But, you know, she did that gig, and then they said, hey, how about you call it Minga? And we'll all go out to dinner. There's this awesome new place in town. It's like an Asian fusion place. Oh, what's it called? Uh, it's called Orientation. Orientation. Oh, and, cool. And it's really cool. You sit at the table. It's Asian fusion. So you just you spin a wheel at the table. And whatever it lands on, that's what the Asian gets fused with. Oh. So, you know, you could spin it. You might get Asian Mexican. You might get Asian Brazilian. You might get Asian uh, Japanese. It's really, really, really cool. That's awesome. So uh, I said, that's great. You know, I told her, hey, why don't you come up um, 
you know, uh, drive up from Ohio. We can go on this double date. She said, great. She was on her way. And we get to the restaurant, and I'm going, hey, okay, reservation was for 6 o'clock. 6 o'clock comes and goes, 6.30 comes and goes, 7 o'clock comes and goes. We've spun the wheel like 15 times at this point, and they're going, hey, where's Minga? And I'm calling her cell phone. She just doesn't show. (gasps) So then I'm freaking out. You know, I'm thinking, okay, she's probably gotten killed by, you know, run into a, a park snowplow or something. And I tried to call the state trooper, but I couldn't get through to anyone because they've defunded the police. It's a shame. Long story short, she called me the next day and basically said, I don't want to see you anymore. It's over. Oh, I'm sorry. I know. I'm really broken up about it. So luckily my friend... I never got to meet her. I know. I know. So, you know, luckily my friend Clay Mason said I could hang there for a while while I get over it and just work through it. It's been great. He's been making me a lot of shakes and I feel a lot better. Such a good friend. What's going on with you, Hallie? Well, I'm plugging along in my Koine Greek class. I have a good relationship with my professor, Dr. Reed. That's exciting. And I'm getting really good at translating. That's great. I feel like my mind is expanding, and you learn so much. I had the weirdest thing this week. I learned that, did you know that the word homosexual was never in the Bible? It was added in 1946? Really? Yeah. And I was like, why would that be added? It was added to replace, basically, pedophile. Do you know about pedophiles? Oh, well, I've been to Bloomington. So I'm getting I'm I'm translating First Corinthians. We got to pick our own book. Uh-huh. And I picked First Corinthians because we had First Corinthians read at our wedding, oh, me and Lance LeBron. That's so original. Yeah, it's about love. Like the whole book? Uh, yeah, we had the whole book read at our wedding. Really? First that's Corinthians. A, oh, sounds like a long wedding. Well, we had it kind of sprinkled throughout the ceremony, in between the ceremony reception, throughout the reception, and even in the toast. But we got all the way through. Oh, cool. So it's a book that's close to my heart. And I was like, that's the one I'm going to translate. So I've been translating the words of Paul and having a great old time. And I come to 1 Corinthians 6, 9, and 10, where in the English translations that we've read our whole lives, it says homosexuals are not allowed into the kingdom of God. Right. And I'm looking at the original text, and I'm like, where is the word homosexual? Hmm. And so I go to Dr. Read and I'm struggling with it. And he said, Well, what are you finding? And I'm like looking at it's two different words. Really? That got turned into one word called homosexual in English. The two different words are Arsenio Koitai. Okay. Well, have you ever heard that word? No, I'm just kind of thinking of Arsenio Hall. Yeah. Ooh, 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 ooh. That's funny. That's awesome. So Arsenio Koitai is basically it translates to catamite. Do you know what that is? No idea. A catamite is a how do you say it's like um it's like a pubescent boy who's in an intimate companionship with a man. Oh right, yeah. Like that's a, yeah, that's exactly what I saw in Bloomington. So it's a, basically a sexual relationship with an adult man and a pubescent boy that was like more of the time, like in um, ancient Greek and Rome. The, the, that was the context they were talking about is that that was a thing, and it was a more like transactional pedophilia type of relationship. And I'm like, well, why would that be turned into the word homosexual? Because also the second word. Malikos, there's Arsenio Koitai and Malikos. Malikos just translates to like soft. And I was like, soft? Am I, Dr. Reed, am I translating this wrong? And he said, well, you could also go from like soft to effeminate. Hmm. And I'm like, so there's two words, effeminate or soft, and this, you know, pederastic relationship between an adult, you know, a pedophile. How does that get turned into homosexual? Right. And he's like, well, this um, this group voted on it in 1946 and put it in the Bible. And 1946? Who was it? Dwight Eisenhower? It was these people from Yale. And so 
I just feel like, you know, I'm doing this class because I want to discover the purity and the clarity and the true meaning of the ancient text in the ancient context. Right. And you know what? Dr. Reed was like, it looks to me like not only does the word homosexual never appear in the Bible, but these people have made these decisions and there are real cultural biases and these these have serious implications for a lot of people today. And he even said there's even a bit of political implications with these translations as well. And the fact of the matter is it just doesn't appear in the Bible. It's something that we added pretty recently. Right. I'm not sure what to do with that. Me either. Hmm. Arsenio! Just like Jesus said, there's much work to be done before his return. We've got a guest today who gets a lot of work done around our campus. Ladies and gentlemen, I would like to welcome your friend and mine, Twin Hills Community Church's very own handyman, Danny Pasquale. Oh, thanks. Thanks so much. Praise and honor and glory to Jesus Christ. Isn't that right? We are too blessed to be stressed. Now, did I say your last name right? Is it Pasquale or Pascal? Pasquale. 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 It's actually, I think... I think it would be Pasquale, but we just, you know, here we drop the last E sound. Uh, oh, that's Italian? I, I, I guess originally. So, Danny, a lot of people around the church know you because you're always fixing things. And, you know, Jesus was a carpenter, and so are you. Um, well, te- yeah, he was a carpenter's helper. Um, yeah, his dad was a carpenter. He was a carpenter's helper. As my, my reading, uh, he didn't really hold down job ever. Uh, kind of blanched Dubois it the whole time, right? Uh, yeah, I guess that is, yeah, that is a, that is pretty accurate. I, I can't think of a job that Jesus actually had. Huh. Huh. I never thought about that. Right. I mean, he yeah. even kind of praised homelessness. He said, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to live. And he encouraged people to just nomadically kind of follow him around. I never thought about that. But I didn't realize he was a carpenter's helper. I, I always pictured him like really running a shop, you know, a hammer and a nail and making picnic tables. I don't believe so. I believe uh, I believe it was just his father that did the, the carpentering. Um, and he was being a carpenter's assistant or an apprentice. Oh. Really? He never, never had his own shingle. You know, I think that's interesting because, you know, a lot of people right now are saying, hey, we should have unemployment for, you know, a really long time for a lot of these people who don't have jobs. And, you know, Jesus didn't really have a job. And I bet that's, you know, a lot of people are going to be saying, hey, Jesus didn't have a job, so you should give me an extra $600 a week. I don't agree with that, but. I don't think you can support an economy if everybody's Jesus. Yeah. That is exactly right. There can really only be one Jesus. Yeah, because he's not paying taxes. Um, you know, so there's really no social services left or anything like that. So if everybody's Jesus, I mean, it's a good thing. Not everybody's Jesus. That's right. I know. I mean, we're so lucky as a mega church that we are, you know, we are tax exempt and we're a tax tax free institution, which I feel very lucky about because, you know, we got the offerings coming in and we got to keep the lights on. And, um, thank goodness we were still able to get a $12 million bailout, even though we don't pay taxes. <laughs> so fortunate. So fortunate. Yeah. I, I got to tell you, I had some uh, less than oh, Christian really? thoughts uh, regarding um, exactly oh, that really? issue. What were they? Yeah. Well, just that churches, like you just said, they don't they don't pay in, but they they just line up at the trough like a a hungry f- 
reconcile. It could be viewed as the church is dining off of us twice, like a, you know, like a hyena at a, to carry on. Okay, well, not sure if we'll go down that road again. Da- uh, Danny, you uh, fix things around here, isn't that right? I sure do. Really, I uh, really get a lot of uh, joy out of that, uh, about, you know, and seeing some progress at the end of the day. Great. And where do you come from originally? Originally, I'm from uh, on the, the south, south of Indianapolis, just south of Indianapolis. Oh, Bloomington? Okay. Uh, not no, just straight south. Not yeah, just straight south. Okay. Oh, Kentucky? No, no, still in Indiana. Oh, oh, down there near the border. That's cool. Oh, right in the borderlands is what they call it. Oftentimes, the, the headwaters of the Peoria River. You, you're lucky. You're lucky to still be in the protective confines of Indiana, where we have almost exclusively Republican representation in our government, and where you know Christian values are really kind of protected. I feel like you get down into Kentucky, they're making bourbon and whiskey. I heard. I read a thing because my kid, my son Day, he was doing a book report on the neighboring. Day. Yeah, my son Day. Uh, he was was doing a book report on his name is day my son day yeah day he's a teenager driving me absolutely crazy and what's he named after he's named after um the day that christ changed my life the day that i was freed through uh, my, my my salvation frankly that's beautiful would, would was that like but i mean would that be monday Oh, he was actually born at two thirty-two a.m. on a Tuesday, but no, but your your salvation day that he's named after. Oh, was I saved on a Monday? Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. I believe it was at. I was in college. It was a spiritual emphasis week. I think it was a Wednesday night. That's funny. It was at night, huh? So he's born on a Tuesday, but named after Wednesday. And you got saved at night, and so it was, it's a bit it strange. Was evening, yeah. Maybe you could name your daughter, like, Soir. How do you spell that? S-S-O-I-R. It's French for evening. Oh, is that, is that right? Yeah. I Maybe my family's French, because I shouldn't know that. Yeah, you look French. You look, honestly, like one of those French painters. Like, you know, you got hair like you've been painting, like I would expect you to have on some of those I ha- white... I have been painting. You've oh, been really? painting? Yeah, I was just painting. Oh, okay. There was some cracks around a, 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 an electrical outlet. I did some patch and painting. Oh, great. Oh, wow. Yeah, you do always look a bit of a mess. So what are you working on right now around the church that's really bringing you, uh, that's taking your focus? It's bringing me joy. Oh, yeah, that's bringing you joy. That's great, because it seems like underneath the surface, you've got a bit of anger. Uh, it's often not even under the surface. Lately, I've been working on a bike rack. Oh, uh, for, oh that's Yeah, great. for the kids that come to your thing. Oh, climax. To, to Climax, yeah. The, all the kids who come to Climax have really been um, skateboards, bikes. Uh, what are those things now where it's just one wheel and it's got a motor in it? I don't know. I don't know, but they terrify right. me. Yeah, yeah. So, Danny, how did you come to know Jesus Christ in your life? Um, and you know, if that's if that's too hard of a question, we can. No, I'll I'll give it a go. Okay. If it maybe it's personal, sometimes people are in the dregs of despair. They're at the bottom of the barrel. They're alcoholic and crying out for help from the floor of a halfway house. But you know what? It's all covered in the blood. Jesus died for all of those things. Jesus even died for your unchristian thoughts. Yeah, I have a hard time with that covered in blood business, I have to tell you. Some of the language and some of the imagery is really rough and I think um, unhelpful. Yeah. 
I always thought that that we're cleansed in his blood. I always think, you know, if you're covered in blood, you look like you're in that Carrie movie, not being cleaned. But, you know, it's one of those, I guess, just constant contradictions that we have to live with by faith that we get cleansed in blood. <laughs> I was on the floor of a halfway house uh, in an alcoholic torture. Um, Is that right? Yeah, that's not where I found Jesus. Oh, really? I didn't, it didn't, yeah, it didn't dawn on me. Um, I was also in prison. Uh, for some uh, serious felonies, did not find Jesus there either. Mm. I was uh, just in a Woolworths one day, uh, stealing candy, and uh, a lady caught me, and uh, uh, she literally put the fear of God inside of me. Really? And I cried out. So when you say literally, she put something inside you? She did. She called it the fear of God. Oh, wow. And what was that? I'm not certain to this day. Wow. It was not pleasant. I have to tell you that. And where did she put it? I prefer not to say. Okay. Well, that was your road to Damascus moment right there in in a Woolworth. <laughs> I always think that that's like a, a Hope and Crosby movie. I'm wrong, though. I know that. I, I'm not even, I'm, I'm not familiar. Hope and Crosby? Uh uh, Bing Crosby and Bob Hope were, uh, uh, they weren't a comedy team. They were each individually huge stars and they did a series of movies called The Road Pictures on, on the road too. Oh. And then there would be an, a, a proper noun. Da- Danny, do you like comedy? Uh, what do you do in your free time? I look forward to the next day where I can get back to work. Oh, really? Well, I do have to tell you, Danny, I did see you one time out on the volleyball courts way past the ZZ parking lot section, and you were tearing it up. And that's a sand court, too. It's hard to get any vertical on there. I saw you spiking the ball and, and, and what's it called? You know, bumping and setting and spiking. Yeah. Yeah, it's called spiking. I can also, you know, I can, I can set, I can spike, and I can stuff. Yeah, and you have an overhand serve, I noticed, that is real tough to return. Yeah, it drops pretty quick. And you're the only person I've ever seen playing sand volleyball by yourself. I can, I'm that fast. I'm pretty fast. I'm going to have to do short. I, I, can, I go underneath the net, but really short stuff. I can't, do, I can't fully serve to myself. I can't I have to use a real high arcing serve. But in a game, right. I will drill it. Yeah, but it seems like it's hard to get. The harder you drill those spikes, the one time I saw you really send a hard spike straight down, because sometimes you do the, like, you knuckle it upward and it pops over and you're able to get to it. But when you really slam a spike down there, I saw you come in under and just take it straight to the head. And it looked like you were out for a few minutes there. Yeah, it's well, I mean it's an it's an easy ace. If I need one and I'm playing against myself, I will just serve it hard. Um and you know, it's it's not real not not what you call sportsmanship, but sometimes you need a point. I think there's a really powerful metaphor in there of uh, a person who fixes things playing volleyball by themselves. Someone who is completely self-reliant and doesn't need other people to play what is generally seen as a teen sport, but you're able to go out there by yourself and really give yourself the challenge you need. I'll tell you the truth, though. I'm not always by myself. I mean, I'm never by myself because uh, I got my Jesus. And right. That's true. Are you married? Oh, God, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Are, are you interested in being set up? To take the fall for a crime? No, to be set up with a gal. I'm not opposed to the idea. It usually doesn't go well. I can go, I tell you that. Oh, really? Have you dated before? Well, yeah. I mean, I've dated before. What kind of... Qu- yeah. Okay, great. Oh, what, what's a typical date? Usually just an appetizer. Like, okay, it doesn't seem like it's gone that great. No, it hasn't. 
What did you do that landed you in jail for so long? Running with the wrong crowd okay. um, and, oh. and running with the wrong crowd and uh, participating in uh, felonious activity. That'll do it. All right. Oh. Like, so like jazz. Yeah, felonious. I think that's a, no. There's an F. Yeah, I've never, I was like going to say I've never heard of anybody playing jazz. You know, having jazz sent them to jail. I wish, I wish I've I've been to those clubs. There, that's a that's a crime. And also, did, I just saw the Coltrane documentary. Did you guys see that? Oh no! How was it? Was it good? It's exactly like jazz. It starts off like, oh, this is really fun and really good, and then it just gets so un. Uh, impenetrable oh and just why are you doing this to us right. that's my reaction yeah and and i'm not alone everybody thought that mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and probably a lot of heroin too i don't get it i don't get jazz but i think it's because i have very limited knowledge of it but my understanding is that they're essentially improvising and so that's why it's bad that i mean improv is just it's such a i mean what do you call it a crap dreadful shoot? yes where because i've heard that what'll happen is they're all riffing off of each other and then one guy i'm assuming it's a guy because you know they're supposedly real good musicians and one guy will do a weird note that doesn't go with what they're all doing and they'll all recognize it and say well that was odd and so they'll follow it and they'll all go in that direction and so they're following each other around improvising in the dark and it's like you know what that's why you don't go to improv shows because you get embarrassed for the people up there doing it it's not going to be a good time and then you're afraid to talk about how bad the show was in the bathroom afterwards because there could be one of the improvisers in there taking a leak and hearing that they've devoted their life to something that's not just an embarrassment and kind of you know uh, useless but also so they're not even getting paid for that stuff. I don't think the jazz musicians are either. I think musicians do okay. Is that right? Well, we hire a lot of musicians, and I hate to say this because some of them aren't saved, but we'll hire just a, a hired gun to, you know, uh, come in and do an instrumental on the weekend services. Hold on a second. Some of those people up there are not saved? We have hired, you know, the occasional percussionist when we need someone to fill in on drum, on the drum kit. And I, and I don't know that we have really been able to, in the way that full-time staff has to prove their salvation. Okay. Oh, they're not considered full-time staff because it was made very clear to me that I was not allowed to work here if I had not been saved. That's right. Yeah, yeah that's right. So I, yeah. Yeah, that's okay. right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Talking about improv, Hallie, and actually, we invented improv in Australia. Is that, that is right? A, yeah, that is an, an Australian invention. Wow. And it's basically where, you know, what they used to do is all the criminals that they'd send to Australia, they'd get a bunch of them together and they'd say, hey, guys, who's got the worst idea? And then they would all agree to follow that worst idea. And that is how, basically, it, it started. The, now, is that in, in theater or just in life, worst idea? Right. That was basically in life. And a lot of times, instead of sending them to jail, they'd send them to a theater to do it because it was basically, you know, the conditions were very similar. That is just the penal colony. The, the agony of a penal colony has no bounds, does it? Right. Because the country was the jail. So where do you send them once you're in the country? Yeah. That's what I mean. Yeah, right. You put them in an improv theater. But th that makes sense, though, that the, the, the roots of improvisation all comes from a bunch of criminals, because if you think about it, that's entertainment, isn't it? I mean, look at what's on TV now. It's all true crime and murder and watching the cops, you know, uh, beat people up and keep justice. And that's what we're entertained by. I tell my kids all the time, this is disgusting. It's not God honoring, but it's, I guess, what's entertainment now. And I think it's a real shame. I think it's been entertainment like that for a long time. Like, is that right? uh, yeah, I mean, sure, ancient Rome and stuff like that. 
Yeah. Think of the floggings uh, uh-huh. for Jesus even. I mean, that was not in private. Huh. Yeah. That's I true. I mean, uh, the march to, to Calvary and stuff. Yeah. At least according to uh, the anti-Semite Mel Gibson. Oh, is he an anti-Semite? I thought he was always such a good guy because he made the passion of the Christ, didn't he? I, that's what some people think. Oh, he's an anti-Semite. You know, I think he just got the short end of the stick on that one, you know, Hallie, because really, you know, if you look at, I, I'm always saying, don't look at a few things that somebody says, look at their body of work. Uh-huh. And his body of work is awesome and really God-honoring. Basically, every film he's done honors God. Yeah, that's true. Hacksaw Ridge? I didn't I didn't see that one, but I don't think anybody else did either. Yeah, it's also I mean it's similar in that it's torture porn, but yeah. Right. Oh. Is he Australian? Was. You know, he did one where he was sort of rolling around in the jungle and also torturing a lot of people, but uh, I'm not sure. Yeah, that... that was another you're right. That was a real Jesus he won too. You got any summer plans, Denny? Yeah, um I got uh gonna redo the HVAC. Looking forward to that. Uh changing all the filters and doing some duct work. Uh, in the big room, and also in some of the smaller uh, outbuildings. like uh, And also, I, I just like being in the shed, the one way back in the corner. Oh, right. the pole barn. Yeah. And I just, I, I like spending time back there. We got a shop in the back there and uh, a lot of really fine uh, equipment. And, you know, sometimes I just, I make stuff and sometimes it doesn't have a purpose. Oh, really? Like what sort of what sort of things are you making back there in the uh, in the pole barn shop? I, uh, uh, I glue together a lot of plywood. And then I cut it, and then I, I shape it. Uh, sometimes it looks like butterflies. Oh. Ooh. Wow, that, that's really nice. What do you do with the butterflies? Set them free. I like the pole barn because I like the smell of um, that wood stain you work with out there. And sometimes I like to go out there and I imagine, you know, Jesus and Joseph having a shop like that and having conversations. Yeah, I don't know that they did much talking. Um, Joseph was a couple. Is that right? What uh, like is that? That doesn't that doesn't come as a surprise, does it? I don't I don't know. I'm not sure if I know that word except for you know somebody did call me a cuck one time on the internet. It's short for cuckold. Is that like a a wrestling hold or what is it? No, it means that um, someone is having sex with your wife. (gasps) Is that right? Really? Whoa. Okay, not sure why someone would call me that, but I don't know either. I think I think anymore it's just meant to be a not nice thing to say to someone, but technically is that's what it means. Ah, well, I could see. You know what? That does that does apply to Jesus, and the person uh, would be, I guess, the Holy Spirit or or the Father of the three in the Trinity. Uh, it couldn't have been Jesus. It would have had to have been the Holy Spirit and God who impregnated her. And you know, my son Day, he always talks about how they're learning about consent, and that um, you know, part of sex education now, which really disgusts me. And I'm going to have to go in and make a note of this to talk to his school. But um, they talk about consent. And my son Day said, "Why didn't God get Mary's consent?" And um, and I just said it because she was honored to have been impregnated without her consent. She was chosen, and it's a beautiful thing. I got a question about that. Uh, now, she too was born without sin, right? Uh, 
Well, mm. hmm. I yeah, think, I guess. I think well, she was could probably, she? I mean, she, if you had, I, think she was definitely, I mean, if you really, think we're all born about into sin, and what we're doing, the redemption. Because, you've really of, got to think about the atonement you know, okay, of the cross. She was the, honestly, she also needed she was the sort of the vehicle. Of the cross, she was the vessel. She was definitely not and, sinless you know, because she was it's human. It's kind of like a car. Jesus if you wreck it once, you can bend the frame of the car. Even if you fix the outside of the car, the frame is still bent. So you could kind of think about it that way. Dear Hallie Gray and guest, sorry in advance for the long question. I'm a longtime listener, first time writer, but this just has me baffled, so maybe you can help. My son Joshua was in a car wreck. He was beat up pretty bad, and I was talking to him at the hospital once he woke up, trying to figure out what he had done wrong. I found out that he had been doing weed with his friends at school. Please pray for him to come back to God. I'm just wondering, do you think God is punishing me? Thanks for your answers. And remember, there's no high like the most high. Brandon. Wow. Well, thank you, Brandon, for that question. You know, a lot of teens right now are experimenting with the with this weed. Now they go up to Chicago, uh, where you can get it. it. It basically flows like water on the streets there. Of what I've heard, you can't walk through a group of people without it ending up in your pockets. And then they smoke it, they eat it, and they get in their cars and they drive around. So I guess what I would say is, if he's not dead, you're going to go ahead and give a prayer of thanks because having him beat up a little bit is a great reminder from God that he's choosing the wrong path. And basically what God is doing is saying, hey, you better get back in line because next time you do weed and you get in your car and drive around, I might take your life. So I think that's probably God tapping him on the shoulder a little bit. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when he hits that airbag, he's going, okay, maybe I won't do this again next time. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And I feel like, Brandon... The Bible promises us that God will never give us more than we can handle. And, um, you know, I think about Job in that respect. Think about Job. If you read the book of Job, it's very strange. We always forget the beginning of the story is that Lucifer himself, Satan, comes to the throne of God and they're kind of having a conversation, which that right there blows my mind in itself. That God and, and Satan are just kind of having a, having a check in like Tony Soprano and uh, the head of the FBI. I don't know how to, anyway. And, um, here they're having a conversation and, and God's kind of talking big to Satan saying, Hey, you checked out my guy Job. He's so into me, you know, and Satan kind of like a card game or whatever says, Well, can I have a shot at him? And, and God's like, Have at it. And it becomes, this sort of cosmic card game just all to, you know, prove kind of that, you know, God is the most uh, high and all that, like Brandon said. And um, think about it. Um, Satan took away uh, Job's, uh, not wife, all of his children, all of his livestock, his livelihood, everything that he loved, his land, his health. He was covered in open sores and um, people were begging him to just curse the Lord. And he said, no. And you know what? In the end, he got all brand new kids. <laughs> and I know it's probably hard to miss the old ones um, who just, you know, had to be killed. And I think it was a windstorm or sandstorm or something, you know, Middle East. But um, he got all new kids. And you know what? As the mom of a teenager, and it sounds like you're also the uh, father of a teenager who's smoking weed and driving vehicles. Um, <laughs> there are some days where I wouldn't mind getting all new kids. <laughs> so, you know, he's not going to give us anything more than we can handle. That's right. What do you think, Danny? Well, uh, Brandon, I'm just wondering how, if your kid's smoking, what did you do that God would be punishing you for? Right. Uh, it's just, and, uh, and it's, I mean, it's not just as a point of addiction. I don't think it's the weed. 
Oh, oh. For you, Brandon, you sound sound super square if you say it that way. Mm. Oh, really? How how do, how would you know? I told you, I lived a life before oh. I got here. Yeah, I lived a life of debauchery before I got here. Did you smoke marijuana? Have you ever smoked marijuana? Marijuana. Yeah. Yeah. What's it like? What happens when you do that? Great stuff. It's great? It doesn't make you feel terrible and full of regret and remorse and angst and horror? No, weird sex does that. Because that's what, you know, I feel like is, you know, one of the best ways to deter people, like from abortion, per se. You know, you don't want to hear stories of women being like, you know, that saved my life and my future and, and my and my family and my everything. You, We, we want to hear the stories of angst, remorse, horror, that basically the rest of your life is going to be living inside of a tormented, um, you know, horror show from the decision that you made. Yeah, that was not my experience with marijuana. Or uh, most narcotics. Well, what's another narcotic? I don't know what narcotics are. Is it like the um, opium that everybody's taken, the painkillers? Yeah, uh, or even just natural opium, which is the tar that comes from the poppy. Um, and you smoke that, and then it's, when it gets more refined, it becomes something what we call that heroin there, um, which was originally a brand name by the Bear Company. Um, and uh, uh, that's in those, and then there's a lot of synthetic versions of all those things, and that's in the the downside of things. And then on the upside of things, there's uh, there's your speeds and your crystals and uh, methamphetamines and things like that, all of which have their purpose. And each, uh, like, it's you've drank wine. I have had a glass, yeah. <laughs> bad whiskey. And there's a difference between the two. The 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 buzz between the two is, is similar but different. It's kind of the same thing with, you know, uh, like blues versus, uh, uh, you know, just like a straight boxy or something like that. Well, Brandon, uh, I hope that helps. Danny Pasquale was played by David Pasquazi. Oh, he's a true favorite of mine. Good Lord. Check him out on Veep on HBO, Lodge 49 on AMC, and at home with Amy Sedaris on True TV. Follow him at D. Pasquazi. I'm Holly Laurent playing Hallie Labonte, and Gray Haas is played by Greg Hess. You can follow me at Holly Laurent and follow Greg at Hey Greg Hess. And of course, Mega is on your favorite form of social media, and that is at Mega the Podcast. Email your mailbag questions to megathepodcast at gmail. And for a special spot in heaven, rate and review us on iTunes and support us on Patreon.